0: Well, J.K. Dobbins had some pretty interesting things to say on Twitter on Thursday, putting out some cryptic messages about his future. We break down what it potentially means for Dobbins and his future with the Ravens and so much more coming up next year on Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a very special edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host here as always, Kevin Ostryker of Ravens Wire, and we're here as always on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here with us today and making us your first listen each and every day, free and available, all podcasting platforms, including in video form on YouTube, you can subscribe for free, both in video form and audio form if you want, five days a week. Ravens content. This is a super special episode for me here today, not just because I have former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Super Bowl champion Kadrius Smile here with me for another Purple Friday, but this is my 1000th episode of this show going back to August of 2019. Never missed a show five days a week, and I appreciate the applause, Q, if you're watching here on YouTube, where, look, it's a grind to do this five days a week, but it's a grind I've enjoyed and all the support I've gotten from those who listen, those who watch, and all the connections I've made. So I want to give a shout-out to you, Q, and all of the guests I've had over the course of this journey, and it's just it's a surreal moment for me. So I appreciate everything, and I'm glad to have you back here talking Ravens football again, Q. Welcome back to the show, my man.
1: I tell you what, uh this show... What you do, how you do it, um, the technical stuff that goes into it, the way you handle it, the way in which you bring on a variety of guests for your listeners. Obviously, I've been very thankful to come on um, on a daily, or I should say a weekly. Um, but that being said, the, the way in which, you know, if you're a Ravens fan, you want to be in the know, you go to Kevin O. And I think that's something where you look at the bigger picture. Uh, this is this is well deserved a thousand shows and and I hope it's a thousand more and just with fill with a lot of uh, awesome awesome content for Ravens nation, the flock to be able to understand what's going on and the latest within the Ravens as an organization and getting people ready for the offseason, for the draft, obviously for the preseason and the most important, the regular season.
0: You know, that, that means the world to me, Q. I appreciate you so much. And, you know, for, for everything that this team has put us through <laughs> ever since 2019, we'll we'll go into a trip down memory lane, the good and the bad in the final segment, talking about 2019, 2020, 2021, obviously last year too. But people who tune in, they're, they're waiting for Ravens content. So let's dive into the Ravens content here. We'll start off with a pretty, pretty big storyline, I would say. J.K. Dobbins taking a Twitter. And we've seen over the course of the last couple of years, players – Being somewhat transparent over Twitter, Lamar Jackson did that a couple months ago when he was talking about his contract situation. We've seen it from multiple different people. J.K. Dobbins took to Twitter, shared a couple of messages, cryptic messages at that, where it kind of came out of nowhere. It was not what I was expecting to see at, you know, like 4 p.m. on a Thursday evening but he ended up saying Baltimore hashtag Ravensblock. I hope I'm here till the end of, of my career. I love you with a purple heart. And then he said, IDK though, sadly, then in a tweet, two minutes later said I'm Baltimore two and through till I'm gone. And that little Baltimore X, and he typed it out there. <laughs> so obviously Q, he loves the city. He loves the organization, but a question that I know we have talked about, and a lot of people are kind of wondering is what does the future hold for JK Dobbins after this year? We know running backs, in general, or or it's a position now that is not highly valued at all. In fact, I think it is the least valued position in the NFL at this point. Dobbins has started as it was, it's been a very up and down career, started it really well, led the entire league in terms of running backs and yards per carry in his rookie year, suffered the catastrophic injury in 2021, came back in 2022, had to have another little cleanup, but I thought looked still good. So this is a contract year for him. The Ravens historically don't, running backs. So what were your initial reactions and thoughts when you saw these comments from Dobbins?
1: JK from the very beginning showed this interesting skill set. With a Greg Roman offense, you know the running back is a featured guy. He had running back by committee, but you were seeing a guy who when it came to running, when it came to his overall performance, he was always falling forward, and it seemed at minimum he was getting four yards, five yards a carry, just minimum, like ho-hum. And it was the most ho-hum running that I've seen. And I think against the Cincinnati Bengals at Cincinnati, uh, towards the end of the year is where we saw this big run down the sideline Uh that was the first gallop of a, of a, of a, a J.K. Dobbins type of, a, wow, this kid can run. He got some speed. He got some wheels. And I think from the bigger picture of it all, J.K., he's not going to wow you with this Adrian Peterson type of a running style or a Ladanian Tomlinson running style. But I think ultimately... When you look at it, like he is a extremely productive guy and then comes the injury element of it all. But the negotiation part of it is showing, Hey, here's who I am and who I am when I'm healthy. I, again, I'm not going to be flashy. I'm just, I'm just good. And I get the job done. And, and what can you say? I mean, he did, he does, he gets the job done. But at the same time, it comes a time for pay and a time for play. And I think right now we're seeing a time for, you know, pay mixed in a little bit with the time for play because it's still the offseason. But, yeah, $1.3 million for his style. And, yeah, with his, his uh, uh, injury history, I think he has to be careful. I think it's a scenario where – you don't want to just take me for granted and think I'll play for 1.3 million. But on the flip side of it, it's, well, yeah, but you know, you, you, you did miss a season. You weren't, you know, a thousand yard back. You didn't carry the team, if you will. Um, and, and then that's where, again, I guess you can come back and you, you fired your offensive coordinator because you knew that he wasn't really truly featuring me. He was featuring Lamar. And now this running game is going to be predicated on a running back, and Lamar is more of a luxury that we have. So that's the back and forth. But the Twitter comments and everything, I think that's just that's par for the course. That's that's the new wave. That's the uh, Draymond Green. You know, the 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 new media. You know, guys want to express themselves whether cryptically or out in the open. And they're going to do it, and, and and I think, you know, GMs and, and teams are going to have to get used to it, but we as, as the fans, we got to sit back and hold on, because here we go again.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting just the timing of everything, because... I think with like, for example, with Lamar Jackson's comments, the trade request, right as John Harbaugh sat down at the owner's meetings and everyone said, oh, that was like, that was so calculated. And of course, like right as John Harbaugh was sitting down. What do you think about the timing of this queue? Was there was there something that you think might have happened? Were there any talks? And J.K. Dobbins might have said, you know, I thought that these talks were going to go better early on. Or was it just J.K. Dobbins, as you talked about, kind of taking to Twitter, expressing expressing emotions in a, in a new media age where players now have the ability to do that and just kind of share what they're feeling whenever they want to?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think it is. I think it is. I, I'll share when I want to. I think it is. A I'm going to express my thoughts. Uh, unlike my day where, you know, you dare not say anything because if you did, then it could turn your negotiations the wrong way. Or, you know, when you got leverage, you use it for whether it be a sheesh comment from Patrick queen, whether it be scrubbing your entire everything of Arizona Cardinal, if you're Kyla Murray to uh yeah jk voicing his opinion lamar clearly doing what he did strategically and tactically you know roquan smith said it when my colleague uh mark viviano was saying you know or asked him you know what is it about you know today's players and and you know what would you tell them as far as you know going to the negotiation table and he was like well i think it's common i I think it'll be more common i think you know guys want to you know, being a no, like, what, what do you really do think about me? You know, guys, guys, we had instant access to how we were back then, but we didn't have instant, you know, well, this is what we think of you access. Literally, as soon as I get, if I'm on an away game, literally as soon as I get on the plane, I can watch every play that I was in right on my uh, pad. At the same time, when you look at the way in which you have information leaked or not leaked or said, it is right on your device and you can see exactly what, you know, happened or not happened. And I think all of that, in my mind, it comes down to the fact that you have, you know, the new media, meaning that guys are going to want to know what what you feel about them. And, and if you feel some type of way about them, then you best believe they're going to be feeling some type of way about you. And and that's that. I mean, it's, it's here to stay.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting how it has shifted with the addition of technology evolving and social media evolving as well. And look, I think it's really great that players have a platform and they're able to say what they want to say and respond to fans. The engagement Ravens players are really JK Dobbins is one who is really good at engaging with fans and, and, you know, it gives the fans i think an inside view of players when they want you know players don't have to give that where it is the choice i know sometimes sometimes maybe not in some circumstances which i still think is unfortunate but to me i think that for jk dobbins and just the whole timing of this it's interesting to think about it because there could be multiple reasons why this happened but i i would lean more towards maybe it's a little bit of just him thinking about well what is next for me after this year because Dobbins hasn't had the, the workload that I think he would potentially want to have so far throughout three years heading into year four. So coming up, we'll keep talking about J.K. Dobbins in the second part of the show, talking about the timing of the tweets. And also what his future could hold with the Ravens after this year. So be sure to stay tuned. a lot to dive into on Lockdown On Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now customers are getting no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And we are in NBA Finals mode right now. My Denver Nuggets taking on the Miami Heat. It's going to be a great series if you want to bet on Nikola Jokic or Jimmy Butler props or who's actually going to win. Do it over on FanDuel. They have great promotions every day. They have a safe and secure app and you can get paid instantly. There's no better place about all the playoff action on America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a notice first up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. We're back. Our second segment, locked on Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with Kaiser Ismail on my 1,000th episode, which is a very special day for me here. And Q, for J.K. Adams. We'll continue that conversation again. Him tweeting out a couple of cryptic messages about his future. And it's interesting because, again, the way running backs are valued now, it, it just seems like every year they are valued less and less and less. And we're starting to see less and less and less of these workhorse bell cow running backs like Derrick Henry has been running to the ground during his time in Tennessee. Saquon Barkley, you know, kind of. And these guys are like, they're really good running backs, but there's still the question like for Austin Eckler, who's getting paid, I can't even remember the 20, his deals like Total of 24 million or something. Miles Sanders just signed a three or 25 million dollar deal. How do you think the Ravens are going to maneuver this potentially? Because we just saw Lamar Jackson get signed to a big time extension. I know that the cap money is not going to fully the money's the cap hit is not going to fully be huge till a couple years down the line. But when it comes to keeping everybody, we saw it with Matthew Judon and Darius Smith a couple years ago. You, you just can't do it. Some guys have to walk because you just can't keep everybody. So is there any estimation in your mind, Q, that maybe they could work something out? J.K. Dobbins obviously said he wants to stay. He loves Baltimore, wants to be there to the end of his career. But again, the Ravens just historically don't pay running backs. And with the year I think J.K. Dobbins is going to have, albeit probably running, potentially a little more in a less overall run-heavy offense, I think he's going to have a great year, and I think that could price himself out of Baltimore.
1: So I think the one thing, you know, the Ravens have always found ways to keep people that they want. And so for every Jamal Lewis, yeah, you're right. There is a Priest Holmes. And when it comes to the fact that you have a guy who is so dynamic and just just productive, I shouldn't say dynamic in a dynamic sense, like I said, but you cannot argue with his productivity when healthy. Uh, J.K. is that guy. And I think for him, it's reaching attainable incentives. If you give me something, because I think that's what also uh, Austin Eckler wanted was just something that you're gonna say, "Hey, you know, we we like you." Uh, are they gonna wife him? No, twenty-four million, you know, but some incentive-laden, easy, it's attainable things. You know, that means that the team is doing well um we 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 love you you love us you know kumbaya off we go but i think that's something that would be a model if you will when it comes to jk um and and i think he's doing it at the right time the draft is in a rearview mirror like there's nobody really out there that you can just say we're just gonna pick up and from a street free agent standpoint ain't you know those are slim pickings you know Uh, Who's your boy? What what was his name? (laughs) Devonta Freeman. Don't you forget that name. Don't you forget that name. I "I didn't know. But uh, (laughs) like they're, you know, once they hit that, that wall, they're done. You know, I mean, that's just the harsh reality of what, you know, life is like in the NFL when it comes to running backs. And so I think, you know, when you see the bigger picture, it's one of those scenarios where, I think honestly uh, if he gets an incentive laden uh, extension and give him some money then more power to him. Yeah, and I know you know we were
0: talking to when Mark Ingham was with the team and a lot of the conversation was, well, you know, when running backs hit 30, that, that's when, you know, that's the cutoff age. I think every year that age has gone down, where it's like, oh, well, 29, well, oh, but what about 28, 27? So even at this point, it's like so many teams I think would rather. I mean, you look at the also just what the running backs of Super Bowl champions, Isaiah Pacheco, someone I know we've talked about, Q, a seventh round pick for yeah. the Chiefs. And then you continue to go back down that line and there just aren't running backs on big contracts who were on those teams. So that is the the new the new hot formula for what teams are looking at in terms of the position. But this Ravens team cue was just different. You know, while the whole NFL kind of zigged to going, oh, we're going to air the ball out. We're going to throw it 30, 40 times a game. The Ravens zagged in the other direction and said, we're going to run the ball 30, 40 times a game. And it worked for him to an extent. Then Lamar Jackson, obviously, his comments saying running can only take you so far. So I think that was a very interesting perspective on it. I tend to kind of agree with him. But at the end of the day, yeah. for the Ravens, they're now moving. Into a, we're gonna throw the ball a little more than we did in the past type of offense with Odell in the fold now with Zay Flowers in the fold now J.K. Dobbins I mentioned it earlier his workload I don't think has been up to what I think he would potentially like it to be mm-hmm. only three what, four games of fifteen carries and then one of those games was where he had more than 15 carries 17 in the last game of the regular season so three 15 carry games one 17 carry game Gus Edwards is one heck of a running back too i like the one-two punch that they have but I think this year what I believe will happen is we'll see Dobbins more of an established number one option Edwards is the guy behind him while still sharing some sort of workload what do you kind of expect for how the Ravens are going to use Dobbins with the shift now from Greg Roman to Todd Munkin?
1: Well, I think the back out of the backfield option will be more prevalent. I think the idea of we have Lamar Jackson, we don't necessarily need to worry about an outlet because he is our outlet. And that was the G-Row kind of mindset. So I think now, yeah, you would probably see more of it featured. So I think that's the difference. But I think the the running game, you spread teams out, it'll be – I'll I'll be interested to – get a feel and a hold of the exact scheme, whether it's inside zone, they're going to hang their hat on or outside zone. Um, they're going to hang their hat on. I know Greg Roman had multiple looks, whether it be big on big, whether it be just, you know, zone block schemes, um, whether it be angle, uh, a lot of G power kind of started, you know, jumping in to mix, something fierce. So that was interesting um where you pull the guard or in this particular case you pull the guard and the tackle um and you blocking down with the center uh but yeah i think there's a lot there when it comes to just the details of the the scheme of running um with munkin because you know we just don't know we know there's gonna be a lot more passing but you know there's only a handful of running plays you can get to them a multiple 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 ways don't get me wrong with different personnels and different formations but there's you know there's only but so many ways you can skin a cat if you will so uh i'll, I'll be interested to see what he actually keeps from you know the success of of greg roman's offense and how he molds it into his
0: yeah and we heard john harbaugh talk about you know when roman got fired when Monken got brought in The fact that they are going to keep some of what Roman did, both in the run game and in the pass game. He made that clear. So, how much remains to be seen, but I'm excited for Todd Munkin there. But, Q, the Ravens, they are continuing their OTAs. JK Dobbins not there, but Mark Andrews showed up and Patrick Queen as well has been there. And Andrews, you know, he was asked about a lot of stuff. He was asked about the Lamar extension. He was like, just thank God, man. Like every, the relief <laughs> you could see in his face. And he he was pounding yeah. the table for Lamar to get that deal. He really wanted him there. Yeah. They're, they're both really close. So I'm glad for for Mark Andrews, obviously for Lamar too, but glad for Mark Andrews, he doesn't have to worry about that, just like we don't have to worry about it anymore, Q, but then Patrick Queen had some interesting comments. Obviously, his future, just like J.K. Dobbins in that 2020 draft class up in the air, the fifth-year option declined, and when, when asked about the option being declined, he said it was a blessing in disguise, and he said, you see guys, go both sides of that and get paid either way, so he's focused on being the best teammate, he can be the best player, he can be improving himself, so he's a competitive player, plays with the ship on his shoulder, talked about out, you know, scrubbing his social media too, and, and had a very mature answer in terms of you know figuring stuff out, talking to people, and I think he has a he has a much healthier mindset now about that. So, a Patrick Queen Q, it's a very interesting conversation. I know we've had it, but where are you on him right now, going into the year, and then what his future could hold as well?
1: Well, you know, I, I think part of that maturity is that the game is slowed down. It's a meritocracy like no other league. I'm uh, sure you know the the organization will have its favorites and maybe you know slide one way or another but if you can play you're gonna get paid you know teams will pay you um and 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 there's always ways to to move around the salary cap we're seeing it you know with the Ravens with their void years and them you know trying to maneuver things with their salary cap uh but that's that's the reality and now the maturity is, okay, I got to go out there and I got to play. I got to produce. I got to, man, you want me to be the best I can be? I want to be the best I can be. If I'm the best I can be, then that means pretty much let me go ahead and make some tackles and uh, or cause turnovers and or sack the quarterback and or get interceptions like, bruh, now this is where next level comes in and 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 next level just simply means Like, you're on not only the Ravens' radar, but you're on other teams' radars, you know? So, yeah, Matthew Judon, you know, he played so well that they are like, man, you know, what are we going to do? Well, he's up in New England right now, and he's one of their stalwarts and and holding it down. I'm not saying that for Patrick Queen. I'm not saying that he's not going to be here. But I am saying that regardless, it's professional football. It's a business. You produce, you will get paid, whether you're in purple or in another uniform.
0: Yep, 100% agree, and he he's right. I mean, people do either have their option declined or option accepted, and they do get paid because of the way they play in that final contract year, which is what I expect from him, whether it is in Baltimore or not. My early prediction is that it's not going to be, but you know, we have a lot of time before that decision has to be made. Queen and Roquan Smith play so well well next to each other, and even before Roquan got there, Queen was playing well. Obviously, Roquan elevated that to a whole nother level because I think that's just you know the way they mesh together, but. I think for Patrick Queen, I'm expecting a big year. And we will see how the Ravens handle both the Queen and Dobbins situations. But coming up, we'll take a trip down memory lane, talking a bit about that 2019 season and also all the years leading up to now and what this team could be compared to those. So be sure to stay tuned, Plenty to talk about here on Locked on Ravens. We're back, rounding out my 1,000th episode of Locked on Ravens here on Purple Friday with Padre Ismael. I am still Kevin Ostreicher. And Q, again, just reflecting on... All that has happened since 2019, I don't want to just go like a full 10, 12, however many minutes of me talking about just the show. So I want to incorporate, you know, your perspective on what happened during each of those seasons. So I started the show in August 2019, just a little bit of a background, did the first episode literally sitting on a bed, no mic, no lights. I mean, we weren't doing video at this point. We did video starting in 2021, had no setup whatsoever. And I said, my, my mon- I was very monotone, I said, Welcome back to another episode of like, it, it was very <laughs> monotone. <laughs> and I, you, <laughs> I, 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 I listened back to it and I said, how could people listen? Where was the energy? Yeah. So I'm I'm glad that I have grown in terms of figuring out how with the inflections, you know, the inflections in the voice are very important. But my first episode was about Marquise Brown and training camp and him flying down the field and that year there were a lot of questions about well lamar just you know in in the games he started during his rookie season played really well that they were coming off of that wild card loss to the chargers and the questions were well how was lamar going to perform what was he going to be that team was incredible 14 and 2 obviously didn't the regular season was great the playoffs were not to keep it short but That year was just, it was great to cover that being my first year covering the team in this capacity, in the podcast capacity. But I want to know what you remember from that 2019 team, a team that I don't think many people expected to do as well as it did in the regular season.
1: Well, honestly, like the biggest thing I remember is just that they were just, it is so hard to score. And the teams like the Kansas City Chiefs or gosh, Peyton Manning in his Denver years. Even in his, some of his coach years, uh, Tom Brady in multiple years in New England, uh, obviously the, what we saw with Drew Brees down in New Orleans, like every time they are scoring in the red zone. And I just felt like you, you, you gotta be like one of those special, special teams if you you know, can do that. and You got to have special players. And I think for what I saw with Lamar and, and right off the bat with Miami, my God, it was, it was just, it was perfect. It was like these guys, like they are just scoring machines. That was the biggest, like just, it stood out in my mind. Like it just doesn't matter. They're sustained drives. They don't end in three. They don't end in you know. I think Justin Tucker pie was so bored that year, like. No, so, was, so was Sam Cook.
0: Sam Cook barely punted the ball that
1: year. Yup, yup. I mean, goodness gracious! But it was it was phenomenal to to feel and to experience as a as a player,
0: or yeah. I mean, as a well, fan. Excuse yeah.
1: me. I'm going back to my playing <laughs> but But um, it was it was really good to to see and feel because when it came down to it you know you were like thoroughly entertained i was i mean that was just that's that's what stood out it was like man y'all in the red zone again y'all scored wow y'all in the red zone again y'all scored man y'all y'all drove it oh my god y'all still driving down the field there was there was like it was it wasn't not a thing to have it you know third and whatever like it doesn't it doesn't matter and and like like i don't think people realize how hard it is to convert third downs and they were just converting third downs. Like it was like, yeah, we're going to convert third down. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Eh, You know, Um, complete football. Loved it. Loved every minute. And it was an
0: incredible run. I'm sad it ended the way it did. And I know there were plenty of conversations, some pretty toxic about whether the Ravens should have rested their starters in that Pittsburgh game. The Ravens decided to rest them instead of play them. And there's the whole conversation about, well you know rust over rest or anything like that but i remember that 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 team it was a great run historic in so many ways but then you move on to 2020 and that was well now the you know the you know the ravens queue they love to beat the underdogs you know they they're a team that thrives with that 2020 they had the target on their back because they were the most dominant regular season team obviously playoffs didn't go the way they wanted to that year but that was lamar's coming out party All of a sudden, everybody, well, Lamar's the second unanimous unanimous MVP in NFL history. Only Tom Brady achieved that feat. So now it's, well, how does he respond to that? And I think it took a while for them to find their identity. I remember talking on multiple shows and kind of going through the whole situation of, well, they ran the ball so well last year. They've run it well so far this year. But I think they were trying to almost force feed the passing, which, again, Lamar's a good passer. But I think they were trying to lean into it too, too much to the point where, it, they were it just wasn't working when the run game was. We saw at the end of that year when they started to actually feed into their running identity a bit more. They ran for two hundred yards a game. And you, that Cincinnati game we talked about at the end of twenty twenty with J.K. Dobbins, that was the game where he stiff armed Jermaine Pratt, who was talking all the mess about. Oh well, we're going to stop him from making the playoffs. And J.K. <laughs> Dobbins said, "No, you are not, sir." And stiff armed running the ground that year. Though I, there was you know a bunch of different crazy things with all of the different situations, and then unfortunately for them their season ended in a not so great way lamar ends up losing to buffalo gets concussed they they go they get over the hump of of tennessee but in the in the wild card round at least but then they lose to buffalo so that year i think was a step but i think pe- some people i think expected more that year
1: i remember going to philly and watching them i remember going to watch them at the commanders and i remember like just the surreal feeling of going to those stadiums and them them not being full at all and having to like have special lines where you can be, but you can't cross over the line. Somehow the germ knows that you're on that line and the germ knows that they're on that line and I'm not going to cross over on that line, but you got COVID. And like, it was just so hilarious, but you know, The commander's game was where I felt it wasn't that Lamar couldn't do it. It's just that he wasn't on the same page with his receivers. And he was like trying to get on the same page with Miles Boykin. And, And they were giving him, you know, some burn. Like, they was like, yo, bro, this is your time. You're about to do this. And it just never materialized. I don't think it was necessarily force feeding or you know, tripping out on on Lamar like he, that, he couldn't do it. I think it was, I don't think I know. It 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 was the fact that none of his receivers could do it, not not on a consistent basis. Every now and then you would see Hollywood, but you know it just Miles Boykin to me was the beginning of the end when it came to uh, the Commanders game and just seeing how the the season was gonna go throwing outside of numbers. And that's where I thought the rise of, of Mark Andrews, just like, you know, it's done, it's over. He's he's a guy, he's going to be my guy and we're going to ride on this. And I think subconsciously any quarterback will tell you like, yeah, give me a guy who keeps catching the ball, being reliable and, and, and catches him in some tight window throws, which he had. Well, subconsciously, I'm just going to try to find him. And then the film is going to show that, and then the coordinator is going to keep calling it. So it just shifted. You're right; it shifted into a inside the hash, tight end dominant passing attack. Um, to the point where in Buffalo, he forced it into um, I forget the defender's name, but he was looking right at Mark Andrews, and the defender just like you know you could see right in the red zone where they normally would score. And he just floated right on over it, boom, picked it off, and you know just went down the field for you know the the seal of the game. I, I think, yeah, that that season was a a receiving core setback for Lamar, and the playoff game was a huge disappointment because they had that Buffalo game. Uh, their defense was playing strong and solid until. Yeah. The interception. And, and, and as you said, you know, you had the, the weirdness of the, of the the snap. I mean, I think center was the weirdest position. And I think at the same time uh, that's where the pressure of the defense and the wild snap, you know, you look at the new England game, you look at that game, those are two wild snaps that cost them the game.
0: Yep. And, it's crazy because the play before, I think, the play before the pick six was a play where Marquise Brown was wide open going you know, across the right side of the field to the left, and Tyree Phillips and J.K. Dobbins left a block so badly, two blocks in consecutive sessions so badly that Lamar Whiff. could not get the throw there. And then the pick, so it's, it's, a t- it's literally just like in the Cincinnati game last season, Q, with the wild card, a 14-point swing, In that situation, which is just so unfortunate, but let's group 2021 and 2022 together, because honestly, some mirror does happen when you talk about those two teams. Now, the difference is that 2021 was just brutally, brutally, I guess, brutalized by injuries, (laughs) you know, starting off. People forget LJ Fort was the first that year in terms of season ending ACL, but then it ended up being J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Marcus Peterson. Just guys kept going down. Guys would miss a game. Guys would miss four games. Guys would miss the year. And it just did not get better. Lamar Jackson got hurt against Cleveland. That team did not make the playoffs. In a year that had such high expectations – just fell so flat due to reasons that just were so unfortunate. And then 2022 was a year new defensive coordinator and McDonald inconsistencies. As we talked about early in the year, they lost a bunch of close games. Lamar gets injured. They managed to sneak into the playoffs, but lose to Cincinnati in a game that honestly, I think they should have won based off how the yeah. game played that 14 point swing. But those two seasons you covering them were so interesting because of the expectations that Baltimore had and then just what got in the way for them. So what, what'd you think about those two years?
1: The biggest thing I think is the F minus. And, and I, I, you know, when you started seeing those injuries pile up and knowing what I know about my missile training facility, my way in which I have, you know, acquired understanding. And then from that understanding, understand the non-contact injury uh, the understanding of you know the way you train it's going to either help or hurt you and i just think that that was years of dodging bullets but we saw f- and was it 2015 i believe right um but it reared its ugly head again you know um f- is is just it's it's sickening to me because You know, yeah, you do a phenomenal job. There is no, there is, I'm not trying to compare, but the way in which the window of opportunity to achieve a level of greatness for a person making it in the league, it's so finite you can grow and mature into this, like from going to your bed to hardly saying anything, to if you wanted new lights to technology of backgrounds and all the things, and you can just keep getting better. Whereas when someone just, in in saying they're getting you better really is hurting you, and, and once that window closes, the next person is right there to take your spot Um, that's what frustrates me. And that's what brings my passion out. And that, that whole season, you know, 2021 was just like, just ticked me off. It was like, my God, man, you just, it's just F minus all over the place. And no one wanted to take the fullness of responsibility until it was too little too late.
0: And for those who don't know what Q's talking about, Steve Saunders is the F-minus that that he keeps putting out there. And honestly, he should have been let go a couple years prior to when he actually was. In 2022, I don't think we saw the same extent of injuries, but Rashad Bateman goes down. Devin Duvernay goes down. Obviously, Lamar goes down as well. And a bunch of other guys. Michael Pierce was a very big loss for them. And every team goes through injuries. 2022 was not nearly the year 2021 was in terms of injuries. Baltimore made all of these adjustments, moving practices from the morning to the afternoon and trying to figure out, well, what is it? What is it? I think what it was, for the most part, was the guy in the building, In Steve Saunders, who of the players, as we saw in that survey, did not really have a lot of love for. So I think now moving to 2023 Q, it's an exciting year for them. I think now they have revamped this offense, revamped this wide receiver room. Obviously, Todd Munkin in there as well. The defense, another year under Matt McDonald, is huge. And I'm excited to see how it all plays out for him. But I appreciate you having on Q. Thank you for joining me on it's a very special 1,000th episode for me. I'm glad I could share it here with you. And to a thousand more, as you said, I'm excited to keep diving yeah. into Ravens content with you. And looking forward to uh, many good, another great run with you. And hopefully for a long time to come.
1: Well, I, I tell you what. It, again, you you just continue to push the envelope in showing your greatness. And I think that's where. Yeah, you you don't sustain if you're not good. So clearly kudos to you and uh, continue to work on those vocals because, yeah, got to get them better. Inflection,
0: voice inflection is the key, but I appreciate you, Q. Thank you again, and thank you for tuning into Locked On Ravensworth. this is your first time tuning in the channel, or you've been in every day or rocking out with me since 2019, or somewhere in between, this might be your second or third or maybe fourth show. I appreciate everyone who has listened, watched, and I'm glad to continue on this journey with you as we talk Ravens football and hopefully talk about a Super Bowl team in either this year or the near future. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked On Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to get back here on Monday, more Ravens content with a new look. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here on Monday.